hello everybody and welcome to part six of Ari Aster week of Spooktober shorts on We Watch Shudder. My name is JD. Who's here with me? It's Michelle and I'm mentally deranged now after a whole week of Ari Aster. <laughs> That's, uh, Michelle uh, found this, uh, this uh, was it a tweet? Uh, excuse me, an X post? Is, is that what it was? Uh, uh, the, the you Google tell them about it. You found it. Area. Yeah. yeah, I was just Googling something about uh, Aria, Ari Aster's uh, movies, and the first result was, is Ari Aster okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell did, you. He did answer. He did answer, and he said that he's uh, no better or worse than he usually is, so probably no, he's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> no better or worse than he usually is. Well, that's... Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's delightful vagary. Anyway, uh, guys, you know what we're doing by now here for Spooktober. We're dropping a new episode every day. We're looking at horror short films outside the Shutter Library. We've been doing Ari Aster films this week. And today, uh, we have a little bit of an extra special situation going on because we are going to talk about uh, the Ari Aster short, Bow, uh, which I believe is about six or seven minutes long. Uh, and then we're also going to spend some time uh, discussing the feature film that I- evolved from the short film Bo, uh, the three-hour <laughs> feature film, which uh, uh, is called Bo is Afraid. Uh, we're going to dig into that as well, just as an extra bonus here on uh, on today's episode. Uh, Michelle, why don't you lead off talking about the short here? You were into these shorts way sooner than I was, and you've spent a lot more time with them. Yes. Uh, what would you like me to talk about? Like, what happened? I don't know. Though? Well, Just guys, generally? so we're going to... Uh, there's no spoiler-free moment here, right? We're uh, we're going to dive right in on our discussion uh, of uh, of this short. So, uh, uh, I don't know. How have we been doing these, Michelle? All of a sudden, I don't even remember how... We've recorded 13 of these already. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I can't remember how they work. We have done it in so many different ways. So this one, I'm just going to tell you what happens <laughs> in Bo the Short as a quick summary mm-hmm. for people who haven't seen it. Um, it's it's called Bo, but it is like Bo is Afraid in that Bo is afraid in the short. And he's a man who leaves his uh, keys in the door as he is on his way out of his apartment. And he forgets something in his apartment, runs into it, comes back, and somebody has taken the keys. So now he is convinced... The that somebody is going to break in. And his bag, wasn't it? Was it the key and, and his, his bag? bag? Yeah. Yep. And he sees a man outside and he tries talking to him and the man's like, fuck off or whatever he said to him. And so then Bo calls his mom and he's like, I'm not going to be able to make it. And then a uh, dude breaks in after all. Uh, and it's a whole weird paranoid thing. The end. Yeah, that's uh, that's more or less it. This movie actually... Uh, especially after now having seen Bo is Afraid. Uh, this movie is very similar in a way uh, to one we watched uh, last week, uh, Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with the Plan, in the sense that this six or seven... How long is the short, Michelle, exactly? Uh, it is six or seven minutes. It is yeah. exactly 623. Hey, 623. Hey, awesome. So it's... Uh, I, w- I, was, uh, I was right on the money. Anyway... This this short film more or less happens note for note as a scene uh, in the feature film. 
Uh, but uh, the short itself uh, is uh, uh, is very effective for uh, creating a sense of anxiety and and stress in in a short period of time. Uh, the lead performance of of Bo is is done by and I, I I'm ashamed I don't remember the actor's name, uh, but the Billy same Mayo. actor who I'm sorry, Billy Mayo. Billy Mayo, uh, who also played the uh, uh, the father in another Ari Aster short we talked about earlier this week, the strange thing about the Johnsons, uh, solid performance here. Another also just, especially in retrospect now having seen his features before these, just very clear indicators of the level of of skill and craft this guy was was preparing to bring to the table, uh, and uh, uh, other than that. And also in the sense of what I really want to do today is talk about this feature film. I don't really have a lot more to say about Bo. Uh, I'm going to give this one as a, as a short. I'm going to give this one four skulls. It was, it was really solid. Uh, uh, but I, I want to I get into the meat of this, Michelle. How about you? I am totally fine with that. Uh, let's just go for a four for me, too, because I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to talk about Bo's Afraid. <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, hey, uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of We Watch Shudder. My name is JD. Who's here with me? It's Michelle, and I'm paranoid now. <laughs> I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to edit this or do anything. Uh, no, I, I just... know. I'm, I'm saying that I am paranoid because I am like Bo in that. Oh, is OK. Reality. That's what fair. is going on. Who knows? Right. So, uh, don't. yeah, if you're not familiar with We Watch Shudder, we, uh, it's right there in the title, We Watch Shudder. Sometimes, though, we don't watch Shudder. Sometimes we watch other horror features, uh, and that's what's happening on this episode. If I don't do this like I'm starting a brand new episode, I'm going to fuck it up and, and forget something. I mean, I'm probably going to fuck it up and forget something either way, but uh, that's it's my neurosis, boy. So it's working. Yeah. It's <laughs> great. It's great. What are we talking about to today, them? Michelle? <laughs> What are we talking about? Oh, who's here with me? I did that oh, it, part. It, See, I've I've you, completely fucked this up already. What's what are we talking about, Michelle? Bo is afraid, and I'm just gonna tell him the plot because I want to talk about it. I have so much to say. Right. I've been waiting Guys, so long for you to watch this goddamn movie. Guys, we're skipping a spoiler-free here. If you need to see the goddamn movie, go see it. I waited so long to finally see it, and Michelle's mad at me, but we got shit to oh. talk about. Here's your spoiler yes. warning. Get if you don't want them. Go ahead, Michelle. Okay. Bo, he's afraid. He is played by Joaquin Phoenix, and he has mommy issues. And he is going to uh, go and see his mother. And uh, he gets a phone. Well, he's told he has to take his pills with water, but he doesn't have water. So he runs outside to try to get water. But then he comes back, and there were a bunch of people in his apartment. And that's a whole thing. And then uh, he finds out that his mother is killed, and his mother is Patty Lapone, And she had a chandelier dropped on her head. So now he needs to go to see his mom for the funeral. But he can't because he's naked and hit by a truck and now he's getting nursed back to life by Nathan Lane and that lady from the office whose actor name I have forgotten and uh, they have a dead son and now they also have a guy named Jeeves and he was in the army with their son and he's a little off and then they have a daughter and she's a little bit off and then she gets bow high and then she drinks a lot of paint and then she dies and everybody's like get out and go kill him Jeeves and then Bo runs into the woods and now there's a play that's his life but it's not his life and then it is his life, but then it's not his life. It goes on for a very, very long time. Uh, and it, it you forget what movie you were originally watching by the time that is done. And then Jeeves shows up and he's like, 
I'm gonna kill everybody. And Bo's like, oh no. And so he runs away and then he gets zapped by an ankle monitor and then he comes to and eventually he makes it to his mother's funeral where he then meets his childhood crush and then he bangs his childhood crush in the bedroom of his mother but then she dies and then his mom is no longer dead uh, and he knew that she was no longer dead and then he sees his father and his father is a penis and then he gets in a boat and then he uh, putters his way into an arena where he will be judged for his crimes and his lawyer dies so he does not have any legal counsel and then Bo dies because he did not have any legal counsel and then the credits roll as people leave the arena. All right, Michelle. Yeah. We're going to start at the end and work backwards because you said something there that I am immediately not necessarily in agreement with. You said Bo dies. Yeah. I'm not so sure. Well, you're wrong. No. <laughs> let me, let me, look, so at the very you end. You tell me why he did not. Here's yes. why. Okay, so this movie opens with a, a, a frankly incredible, I really liked this part of it, uh, a scene of uh, basically it's Bo being born, right? From It's like first person perspective in utero. Uh, and mm-hmm. he's coming more and more conscious and aware, and then he's born, uh, and uh, and then at the end, the boat obviously gets all weird, and he gets sucked down into the water. But as that's happening, and there's splashing and chaos in the water, in the background, there are sounds mirroring things that were being said in the delivery room at the beginning of the movie when he was born. And I think the implication of that is that Bo didn't die. His punishment is he has to go back and do it all fucking again. Oh, yes, I believe that there is a possibility that it is circular and it will just keep happening over and over again. But he did die. He's just going to be reborn again. Okay, fair. Yeah, maybe this is just a semantic issue, but... Uh, uh, no, that's, that's fair. Um, I also, <laughs> I'm not positive if it is circular, uh, but it is... I'm, no, no, I'm I not certain. I, I definitely don't want to yeah. say, I just like... Yeah. Look, Ari Aster doesn't do anything... For no reason. And that's especially clear in this film. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I just, I have to believe there's some kind of implication there. But no, I see what you're saying here. Yeah, if if we're calling this a reincarnation cycle, then yes, technically he has to die to, to be reincarnated. Um, That's how reincarnation works. Yeah, exactly. You're you're very correct, <laughs> Michelle. Um, so this fucking movie, um, I uh, there. So I obviously we've talked about it before. I am a huge fan of Astor's first two features, Hereditary and Midsommar. Uh, incredible fan of both of those movies. Uh, this is the first movie he's made where. Um, I don't even dislike it, uh, but I come back to another point that we've made several times recently. 
where this feels like two different movies sort of blended oh, together. <laughs> okay, fair. But like, <laughs> so there is a lot about this movie that I was really drawn in by and I was riveted and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I wanted to know more. And then there were entire sequences of this movie where I, I was, I was, I, I don't want to say I was disconnected or pushed away, but look, it, this is basically how I can describe it. I really enjoyed everything from the beginning of this movie up until Bo gets hit by the car. And then everything from after he gets hit by the car until he gets to his mom's house the vast majority of that, the stuff with uh, the Nathan Lane family and the stuff uh, with the the strange people in the woods put it and the play that uh, I didn't even, I can't even say I dislike that, but it feels like suddenly I was in at least one other completely different movie. And I know that Ari Aster has described this movie several times as a nightmare comedy and I think the best way to describe my experience with a lot of this stuff is that there are certain parts of this where this feels like that situation where somebody is telling a story about their childhood that they think is hilarious and people are just kind of staring at them wide-eyed with like, no, dude, that's not funny, that's fucked up. Uh, and then uh, it, it just gets almost like David Lynch weird for its own weirdness. Uh, at some points, and I, I definitely understand the way all of the story ties together. I see the the threads that they were putting out into these other scenes, but I don't want to go back to to day one JD. This movie is. I would have enjoyed this movie a lot better if the second hour was just completely removed, uh, and I would have also. Uh, I, I wish that everything. After he leaves his mother's house, that whole scene in the arena at the end and all of that, when this movie and uh, at times just goes so absurd and so weird uh, and is more about the story of Bo finding himself, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, whereas the parts of this that were the most interesting to me were the parts that were more or less specifically focused on his conflict with his mother. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, for me, the only part that they could have removed is the play. Everything else I am baffled by and so in love with. Okay. Yeah, and, and like I said, the, the parts of this that I was really drawn in by... for uh, Look, I mean, it's Patti LuPone, right? <laughs> Uh, oh, I know. And I was it's here I for was, the ladies who drink. Yeah, I was real concerned uh, that she was just going to be a voice on a telephone for this whole movie. But holy shit, when she turns up, like, uh, I think part of what makes me uh, what makes this movie awkward for me is that that clash of tones because when this movie does get serious it's fucking heavy intense shit like it's really fucking it, it's very reminiscent 
of what we've seen from Ari Aster and loved from Ari Aster uh, so many times before. Uh, but the shift from those moments into these, uh, and I don't want to say they're happy or light by any means, but these much more absurdist uh, kind of uh, of uh, story elements. Um, and a lot of it to me seemed to just be reinforcing uh, bits that I was kind of already aware of. Uh, and so it all just felt like a little much. Uh, and that middle hour is the part of it that, uh, that was the least captivating to me. Uh, we can't not, of course, talk about uh, the giant dick creature. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a is... long list of things to talk about. <laughs> so, well, okay. Just, no, well, you, no, no, you, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> you just got to react to this for the first time. I have had months and months and months to research and go down the rabbit hole. So well, uh, I, I'm curious about your thoughts as like a first time viewer. I have seen was... the whole thing in totality twice, many parts of it, many times. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, that, I guess that really is the summary of it, is, is for that first chunk, I was really drawn in, uh, and then, and, and it, it happens right when uh, it's, it, it, the, the car hits him, and he wakes up in, in Nathan Lane's house. Uh, everything from there until he finally gets to his mother's home, uh, with the exception of a few little bits, and, and like, obviously something has to happen between A and B, uh, but I feel like that entire thing could have been condensed into uh, maybe, you know, like 10 minutes uh, of stuff that, you know, bring and just keeps focused on uh, that thread of Bo and the interaction with his mother. Um, the uh, uh, some of the the more specific things uh, that I, I noticed that aren't even so much really like this is a fucking beautiful movie. Uh, it is so visually dense. It reminded me in a lot of ways uh, of Munchausen uh, with the characters in the background just kind of existing, but in such a way that they're not even necessarily uh, 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 an, an aggressive or open menace, but they're not not menacing either. Right, and they're just awkward enough to be like, "What the fuck is going on there?" Uh, that first sequence where he runs away from the tattooed guy, uh, and then he gets into his building, and he's just walking down that corridor. I paused that several times just to look at all the different things that were scrawled on these walls. There is nothing that happens in a single frame of this movie that doesn't happen completely intentionally. Like every bit of every frame of this movie is so meticulously, carefully constructed, uh, and it's kind of nuts. Uh, I, I was really impressed by that. Obviously, there's a visual motif here of, of doorways uh, and people being seen through doorways or people passing through doorways. Uh, I, uh, I'm sure there's, there's some interesting thoughts and ideas about that uh, that I just haven't had a chance to dig into any further. Um, but yeah, because the movie, when it is heavy, it's like, oh my, like, uh, there were things that I thought were going to happen here. Uh, I believe, because they talk about how uh, uh, his mom 
tells him in a very, very inappropriately detailed story that his dad died the moment he inseminated his mom. Uh, and he's, look, I got to tell you, the first in that scene where he gets into the bathtub at the, near the beginning of the movie, uh, I, 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 it didn't even occur to me, except I, I saw a flash and I was like, Jesus, Joaquin Phoenix has huge nuts. And then it, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you think about that in that quick flash in that scene to what ultimately happens at the end of this movie with the gigantic penis monster with the clearly distended testicles and how that becomes a running theme through this whole movie. Like, I don't... There's so much to unpack here, Michelle. I'm definitely, regardless of what I thought of that second hour, I'm gonna have to see this again. But this movie is just a giant pile of what the fuck. Uh, (laughs) It's like... I I still want to know, like... How did, uh, uh, what's her name, Eloise? How did she die? Are they implying that, like, his balls were so clogged up and pressured that when he finally came, it, like, injured her? It was so intense and she died? Is that what they were trying to say? That's all so fucked up. Uh, I, I don't know. This, uh, there are so many levels of crazy to this. Uh, but... I, I just don't think it needed to be a three-hour movie. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, maybe I'll, I'll figure more out about it or, or have different opinions uh, if I watch it again. But uh, God damn, that was a trip, Michelle. <laughs> it's, uh, I think I've Are said enough ready? for right now. You've got plenty of yes. things to say. Please go ahead. Oh, <sighs> Okay. I... When I first saw this movie, I didn't know how to feel about it. Um, But a thing about me is that I like a movie that keeps me engaged well after the movie is over. Um, If a movie is bad but keeps me thinking, then I wind up falling in love with it. If I go down that rabbit hole of like, what did it mean? What was this? And it's actually, it's not a case of what did it mean because the director didn't know what they were doing or the writer didn't know what they were doing. If there was some sort of meaning to unpack, Ari Aster has not come out and stated what the metaphor is, what any of this means. And that has kept me so engaged since the first time I saw it of trying to piece so many things together. And every time I watch it, there is something, Oh no. Yes. JD. Oh no. I was just going to ask you like, don't you think it's pretty clear that uh, this movie is about a shitty relationship with your mother? Like, I sent you that message. I was like, this dude Oh, I've got a lot has... to say about that. Okay. Yep, it's okay. on my list. Okay, cool. <laughs> Put your microphone down. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, oh, shit. Now, I, now I'm, where was I? Oh, but yes. So, uh, the, the actual meaning of, like, what part was real? What part was fake? What was this? Every time I watched it or watched certain parts, there are so many things I pick up on. One of the best ones is that uh, it's just like the fact that little things change that make you question what is happening. And when Bo tries to call his mother and he gets the delivery guy who confirms that uh, his mother has died, that person is one voice. And then later on, he sees a clip on the news and that's Bill Hader now as the delivery driver. 
Bill Hader was not on the phone. Why did they change that person? Um, there are so many implications in this movie that Bo's entire life has been fabricated by his mother as an overbearing person. When he is going through her house, he finds pictures of all the people that we have encountered in this movie so far. He has pictures of the family who uh, the Nathan Lane family there in his house, the tattooed man who chased him down the street is in a picture in his mother's house. Are these people all employees? Eloise is obviously an employee of his mom. Uh, she works for some sort of big pharmaceutical company uh, that has now, um, Oh God, what, what was the phrase? It was something like perfectly normal or something like that so it's like did she manufacture Bo's life because now they have like apartment complexes and the logo of his mother's company is on the apartment complex that Bo lives in like has she manufactured this whole thing to show that she can create a perfect life for her son that's one of the questions that I have um water plays a gigantic role in this movie uh it starts with him being born which you could say is basically like being submerged in water. It ends with him drowning in water. Uh, he meets the love of his life on a cruise ship. Um, there's constant water sounds throughout. He has a very traumatic memory of a bathtub, uh, like the view from the bathtub. Water is a gigantic thing in this, and water can mean so many different things uh, as symbolism in movies. It can be rebirth. It can be death. It can be healing. Uh-oh. Yes. He lives in Watertown. <laughs> Uh, no, it's uh, it's Wasserton, which is a play on yes. their family last name. Yep, exactly. And Wasser uh, is German for water. Oh, okay. So that I clearly didn't know. I understand what you're saying there. Uh, no, yep. what I, uh, I I guess I feel like uh, like this is a, I, the, one of the biggest things about this uh, that really struck me is I actually just recently uh, on Facebook had an exchange with somebody about an idea that I've kind of had for a while uh the idea that no matter what else happens how well your experience being nurtured from birth through infancy into a sapient uh conscious aware person we all experience this absolutely insane birth moment where all of a sudden we just went from warm and and comfortable and and just dark and soft and quiet and all of a sudden we're just ripped into loud and bright and chaotic and that's in itself has to be a traumatizing experience on a, especially on like your your reptile brain right like you're more or less born with fight or flight going crazy uh, and I feel like that water motif, uh, that is one of the things that I was really connected to in the movie because I feel like the reason this movie opens the way it does and the reason we keep, I think the water motif is to keep referencing back to the experience of birth and how that initial trauma uh, in a lot of ways uh, I, I think is intended to frame Bo's entire experience. Uh, I, I think was, uh, and I think that the water motif just kind of references back to that. Uh, we're going to talk about the mother stuff. Okay. 
we're going to get into it because let's do it. Okay, so how's your relationship with your mother, Michelle? <laughs> I haven't talked to her in a very long time. Oh, I, uh, I, I got to tell you, like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, obviously, we don't go into too many details, but I know we've mentioned it before. Uh, yeah. A big part of my experience watching this was also just mm-hmm. like, oh, Michelle is gonna have some thoughts <laughs> <laughs> because I like it's this is there's yeah, but okay. My I, mother go is ahead, very please. different from from this mother in that uh, his mother seems to care too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not have that problem at all. Uh, okay, so uh, you had messaged me while you were watching the movie. It gave me a couple of reactions, and a lot of them were, oh, fuck, fuck, what? And uh, But one of the messages you sent was, what is Ari Aster's relationship with his mom like? And I have answers for you because okay. I have had time to really delve in. Because to between this, this and man. Hereditary and then and Munchausen, Munchausen. like... Yep. Uh, this fella seems like him and his mother might not talk to each other a whole lot. Which is incorrect, sir. Ari has of stated he has <laughs> he has a great relationship with his parents, and I think he has one brother. And until he says otherwise, I'm going to believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has stated that there are problems within his family that he will not discuss that did not affect him but affected people he loves. Um knowing that i had gone down a rabbit hole i didn't uh mean to because i didn't want to dig into ari aster's personal life i feel like that kind of crosses a line but i did stumble across the fact that his mother is a poet uh her name i just had written down uh it is bobby lurie she has multiple published works and i had just randomly seen something on reddit and i have read so much of her work now it is beautiful it is distraught um it appears that her mother had alzheimer's or some sort of mental illness or something along those lines based on the poetry and it is just as dark as ari astor's work is and i'm not saying that that um is who he's referencing in these types of works like his mother has that sort of relationship with who would have been his grandmother but rather that he grew up in a family where it is okay to make art about dark subjects and his mother's work she has something called the grief suite um that i just could not get enough of and i plan on actually buying multiple books from her did you say it's called the grief suites Yep, the grief suite. Oh, surprise. S-U-I-T-E. Yeah, surprise. Grief is a huge running theme in so much of his work. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I just want to give you like a little excerpt Please of do. her writing because I am in love with the work that she has put out. And I think it just gave me a better insight to, you know, if Ari Aster says he has a great relationship with his parents, I believe him because I've seen what art his mother makes and it is beautiful um so this is just a little bit from grief suite uh the mother's purple blouse and pants are wadded in a ball beneath the gurney the mother squirms kicks her legs as she always has the daughter says no heroic measures she remembers how the mother says dying is like sleep The daughter cries and phones the younger son, tells him to tell the older son, too. The male nurse says, your mother will not die. She is fine. The mother's white skin, white hair like silk, her luminous body sick and shaking, arms tied down in restraints. Her her heart beats green on the black screen above her head, blood pressure in red, oxygen in blue. They say she is doing well. 
It's uh, it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, I, I had so many things of them like just written down, but that, that I think just really gets into it. She has one. I forgot the name of it now and I'm going to feel terrible about it, but it was something like today. My mother thought I was in a cup and it's about how she's at a coffee shop with her mother okay. and, uh, her mother asks her, where are you? Are you in my cup? And she says, no, I'm not. And then she leads her out of the coffee shop like she always does. And it's just the, these pieces of work about like how she either had Alzheimer's or something that made her forget a lot. And oh God, it just, it haunts me and it's beautiful. So I did need to, to talk about Ari Aster's mom for a little bit because I am glad that people said like, uh, how was his relationship with his mom? And instead I found her artwork and it is beautiful and I'm in love with it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. What other things did you make notes on regarding this film, Michelle? What other <gasps> points do you want to discuss? Yes. Uh, Ari Aster thinks it's hilarious. He thinks that his work is hilarious. Um, he actually said uh, in Midsommar that people, he had read reviews about people saying, oh, the sex scene was awkwardly funny. And he's like, that was supposed to be hilarious. <laughs> like he started this as a very funny movie and to be a very dark comedy. Um, all of the actors who have worked with him said that he is phenomenal to work with because he really pushes them, uh, except for Richard Kind, who got the script on Friday, filmed on Monday, just read his part without reading the rest of the script and said, fuck it, I'll just watch the movie. And I think that's hilarious. They went, whatever you put out is good with me. Um, I had found um, or what I thought was what I had found was Bo is afraid the script and I had downloaded it. Uh -huh. um, intending to go back and just read through it. And instead of having to watch these scenes, see it, like what was the directorial note, uh, the director's note in the actual script, was it different from the movie? Uh, before we start recording, I, <laughs> I kind of wanted to be like, can we just pause for an hour and record? But I, I wasn't <laughs> going to do that to you. Because the script I found is Bo is Afraid with a completely different ending and gigantic pieces changed. And it seems to be a much earlier version. And uh, I will be scouring this thing for any hints um, of what was changed after he started working with Joaquin um, because he said that Joaquin will not do something that doesn't feel real to him. He says his body physically can't do it. So a lot of things they work together to make this better. And man, there's a lot of stuff that's different in this. And I really, really, really need to go to like delve into that now. So yeah, I, I could talk about this movie for so long. Um, it is something that I just want to like scream about because the actual movie, it's it's really beautiful and it's really detail oriented. It's all of the stuff behind it and why things are happening uh, that have kept me so intrigued by it that um, it has really made me enjoy it a lot more than just sitting there and watching it for three hours straight. Uh, I like to watch it and then be like, what did that mean? And go dig into it. And that's why I'm become such a big fan of Ari Aster's work um, because he does this to me. He makes me question so many things in how detailed oriented and every single thing in all of his movies is deliberate. He doesn't seem to do anything halfway. Everything has a meaning and I want to go find it. And I just sure. I love it. I love somebody that detailed. There, uh, there was an interesting thing you said uh, somewhere in there that I wanted to bring some attention mm -hmm. to. 
uh, where you like you've, you've watched it uh, a couple of times and you're still trying to uh, to a certain degree uh, sort out what is real uh, and what isn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And that brings me like I, I definitely wonder that as well, but also for no other reason than like I believe in interviews uh, for Hereditary for sure, but I b- believe also in Midsommar um, because with Hereditary people thought this was like, you know, uh, maybe some of this was just all happening in her head and it was a metaphor for, for mental illness and they were half right. There's mm-hmm. definitely a mental illness metaphor, but he said specifically that no – Within the context of the fi- of the film, demons are real. Her mother mm-hmm. was part of an evil demon cult, and they have <laughs> installed this evil demon into their grandchildren. Like oh, everything <laughs> that happens yep. in the context of the film is real. I'll go back and put a disclaimer that there are light hereditary spoilers in here. No, there's that's more than light hereditary spoilers. Uh make yeah, a note. Also if you haven't seen hereditary why on. are you listening to this, frankly? <laughs> I can't imagine anybody listening who that spoiled it for gives a shit. But uh I really want to talk to somebody who has seen none of Ari Aster's work except but was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Because um, then they're just like what is going right. on? Uh, Who and is then, this of course, penis father. Uh, Midsommar uh, brings a, an interesting uh, spin to that with its uh, um, its uh, themes of these people being drugged and 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 psychedelic experiences, uh, and so there's a certain amount of what are we, what is actual, but again. From the perspective, even uh, like from the perspective of the people who have been drugged, this is what's actually happening, right? And so I, I, I come back to that because there's a lot of this that definitely made me say, oh, this is some sort of hallucination or Bo's interpretation of a thing. One of the earliest ones was uh, towards the front of the movie when he keeps getting the notes from his neighbor about the loud music uh, and the uh, and he's not playing any music. That sequence happens just shortly after he writes the message on the bottom of the angel uh, uh, for his mother. Uh, and I swear to God, and I'm probably just reading way too much into this, but when they slid the notes under, I was like, the handwriting of those notes is the same handwriting that we saw on the bottom of that. Uh, and then you have, because then it switches over and all of a sudden he's aware of the throbbing music. Uh, and then he goes to bed and I wonder if some of that was this like meta anxiety where he was, we were seeing like his nightmare of fantasy of like, uh, like what if this isn't even like? I I think maybe what was happening there is he was hearing his neighbor blast music, uh, and he wanted to go write these notes and give them to him, uh, <laughs> but he was too afraid of what might happen if he went to give him these notes, and I like I just got this impression that those two bits of handwriting were the same, and the idea was that he had written those notes somehow uh, in an implication that some of this might not actually be really happening. But again, he likes to say that, yes, in the context of the film, this is all exactly what's really happening. And if that's the case here, holy shit. (laughs) Yes, uh, because I've seen his other stuff and I know how he 
uh, did hereditary. <laughs> um, I believed immediately everything was literally happening or that the way it was being interpreted was absolutely how Bo believed that it was happening. Um, something that I think it's kind of hinted at, but not very heavy. But then in my quick perusal of the early script does seem to play a bigger part is the pharmaceutical medication he's on. So we yeah. already know that he's obviously in therapy and he's messed up and he tries to take this drug and then he's convinced that he's going to die because he doesn't have water. Again, a thing that he needs and because he doesn't want to die. And then also he's in a bathtub naked and a man with a spider on his face falls him. So much water. But uh, it plays a much bigger role in the earlier version that I had just had time to to kind of glimpse through. Um, so I think that everything literally happens or that it is his interpretation. Um, I do. I know that we kind of decided to watch the full length Bo is Afraid because you hadn't seen the Bo short earlier. And I had also had... Um, you know, my influence of opinion on this movie based on seeing the short and knowing like something is not quite right with how he interprets things or else it is not quite right with the world he lives in. Sure. I mean, the bow short ends with like the big furry hands impersonating his mother or whatever that scene was. I do not recall exactly how it works out, but it's definitely implied like this is kind of a manufactured situation. Is it manufactured by like a big conspiracy or is it manufactured by the drugs that were manufactured that he takes to try to <laughs> fight off his paranoia? Yeah, um, that's uh, yeah. that's definitely something like they make it a point on multiple occasions to show you the names of the drugs he's taking. Mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, when I do go back and watch this again, that's something that I'm also going to be spending some particular attention to is I'm gonna I'm looking up those drugs, man. I'm seeing what those things are all about. Uh, just because one again, one is a heart condition med. I know that one. Uh, uh, the thing, guys, is uh, the one thing you can say for sure is whether it works for you or not. Everything that happens, like I said, either visually or sonically, nothing that you experience in this movie is just happenstance or by accident. Every frame, every sound, everything just intensely, carefully crafted. And something that I have appreciated about Ari, which ties into that, that thing about everything in the context of the movies being real, is he, I, he seems like a guy who, even if he's not always really open and upfront about telling other people uh, what it is, he in his head, knows exactly what the story is that he's telling. Yep. Like I, I feel I like if you were to ask so him, much. he would say, yes, I definitely have a story in mind that I was trying to tell. Uh, I may not mm -hmm. tell you that specifically because I think it's, a, it's interesting when people do draw their own elements from it, but he, he works with such obvious purpose. Uh, and again, even though I do very much like this is this is uh, uh, a minor misstep along the way for me. This is not uh, a perfect film, uh, and I, I didn't care for it overall as much as Hereditary or Midsommar. I do think even if there was more understanding for me and connection with that stuff in the middle, I do still think the movie would have been better if it was trimmed down a little bit. I think this is definitely 
uh, an example of he had two really great movies that got really great notice and really good critical reception, and they just took all the governors off and said, just go. Do whatever you want to do. And how the first time somebody gets a chance to do that, they probably naturally are maybe going to try to do too much. Uh, and oh, I don't yeah, mean Star to say Wars that. episode one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, so while I, I definitely would say as of right now on one viewing, uh, it is my least favorite of his three features. I don't dislike it. Uh, I, 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 or rather, I, I, I certainly don't think it's a bad film. And I at least feel like I understand what he was trying to do with the parts that I didn't like. Uh, any, I, any further oh, thoughts I, from you, Michelle? Yes. One quick thing. Please sure. don't be mad at me. I like this more than Midsummer. No, it's fine. We're all entitled to our opinions, <laughs> no, even if they're wrong. You know, it's it, it is what it is. Uh, I know you oh, love Midsummer. No, yes. one other yeah. one other thing I have to ask you because you've got to have thoughts uh-huh. on this because they never Ooh, yeah. really clarify. Does he have a twin brother or not? I don't know because, because he tells his therapist that is a braver version of me, but then he meets the braver version of himself. At the this same is, time that he's meeting a penis father. The, the, see, this is what I wanted. This is what brought me to this. I want to ask you about mm-hmm. this. He goes yeah. up into the attic. He sees the old, emaciated version of himself. And he Was sees. Was played by somebody else and credited as Bo's twin. Okay. Uh, which, uh, that, it's help, interesting. Yes. It's interesting that uh, I'm glad you clarify that because that's actually going to answer. Uh, what I'm saying, or maybe it's not. Maybe it's done that way. Uh, because I don't think it answers anything for me. It's just he, an interesting. He thing. sees that person uh, who resembles him, but not enough to be a twin. And then he also sees Fraternal. the giant penis distended testicle monster. Yeah. And then when dad. he comes down out of the attic, his mother, Mona, only ever says. That was your father. And never tells us which of the two he saw was his father. Was Ooh, it really you think his the guy twin? Could have been his dad? Yeah. Was it really his twin? Ooh. Or was it his father? And then the giant penis monster is a figment of Bo's imagination or his anxiety and terror. Uh because or it, it, the man is his father, but there's also a giant penis monster. And that's also uh, <laughs> considering it's an Ari Aster. Right, <laughs> it's entirely possible that the in- implication is no, there was really a giant penis distended testicle monster in the attic, and it was in yeah. fact his father. Uh, I mean, who else would Jeeves <laughs> be doing battle with if not that's a, penis? That's a fair question. Oh. Um, uh, there are some moments in this movie that I, I did find uh, genuinely funny. Uh, I, I I think ultimately the way I would summarize, I, he's so fucking good at making his heavy moments so heavy and, and uh, impactful that I just had a real hard time shifting gears uh, from that to some of the just the more weirder, more absurdist kind of elements. Uh, it really threw me for a loop, and that's why a certain amount of uh, of this overall didn't work for me. I have 
one final thing I wanted to talk about. Please but it do. Is only tangentially related to Boba's Afraid. Just in case anybody out there in listener land, hello, we have not forgotten about you, but this is just how we get down rabbit holes and talk, and that's why we start recording <laughs> these conversations. Um, in case anybody else is like me, where they really just want to feel engaged by something that they watch well after it's done, I have two shows to recommend that I got obsessed with um so they are actually made by the same creator which is why i'm talking about both of them but dark is a german show um that has to do with a lot of we'll just say science fiction fuckery because i don't want to say what's going on I, that's a huge I, I saw <laughs> the very first episode on netflix mm -hmm. and i was very curious about it but then i don't remember why i just never got back around to digging into it, it i'll have to add that to my list Yes, it is incredibly dense. So I watched three episodes and went, I don't understand what's happening. So what I wound up doing and what I loved doing was I would watch an episode every day. And then I had found, I think it was on Vulture, there was a writer who was making their own recap that would take like an hour for me to read. It was so in-depth and explaining like, here's the science of this. Here's what the colors represent. Here's the the throwback to earlier episodes. And I don't think it's, it's bad that the show relied on that um, in order to be understood. But I enjoyed that I was very confused unless I read like, here's what everything means. I think it was meant to be watched multiple times and pick up on those things season three is awful and it's so unfortunate they forget the rules of their own universe in season three but then it ends on a good enough note that it's worth watching just to see the series finale and then I got so excited because I randomly put on a different show last year called 1899 and I went oh man this is gonna pull me in like I was with that dark show and I started reading recaps of that and I would watch an episode a day and then read all sorts of different interpretations of it and it was canceled at and I didn't know that until I had just finished the season finale eight episodes into it and I found out it was made by the same people from dark and I am never going to stop being mad about it so you need to know that going into the show because oh my god what a cliffhanger on a thing that I was obsessed with. I am also terrified of water. I have talked a little bit on this show about how my dream job would be being a marine biologist because I love marine life. I'm fascinated by what's in the ocean, but I'm curious, that Michelle. I would have expected. I would have expected you to be into marine death. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's also that part weird. of it. Let me tell you about the coral reef, oh, um, which is apparently Let's coming not. back. I, I subscribe to nature newsletters. It, it's healing a little bit. So that's good. It probably won't last long. Sweet. Um, but uh, there's an episode. I think it's like episode four or five scared the shit out of me in 1899. And uh, once you watch it, J.D., if you do go watch that show, we can talk about it because, oh, man, it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen <laughs> because I am terrified of water. <laughs> So Water, just in case uh, other people are like me, like, oh, man, Dark in 1899 really, really scratched that itch. Uh, you know what really gets me about water is, uh, uh, I mean, obviously just drowning in general is, is kind of a, a primal fear, I think. And I have a little bit of a personal connection to it because when I was like four or five years old, my dad was fishing off the shore of this lake and I kind of fell in because I was trying to grab something out of the water. 
and it was fine. He just ran over and got me, and and I didn't drown or nothing. But it was terrifying. Um, but uh, no, water uh, is uh, it's a very primal thing, and I understand why it uh, why it fucks people up. I there was a point I was heading to, and I just got distracted by this cheese and now i don't know <laughs> what i was gonna say but uh, um my earliest memory was actually when i fell in a pool and almost drowned so i don't know if that influenced my gigantic fear of water potentially but also i just really like marine life and every time i read more about it or i watch there's a tiktok where it's just scientists from a sub uh and they are just showing the creatures that they find way down at the bottom of the ocean. Love it. Makes me even more afraid. I've seen the ocean a couple times. I've only stood in it a little bit for a couple minutes. I went, that's fine. I'm good. I don't need to get stung by a jellyfish. I'm fine. Do you uh, so. Do you follow Kate Bacon on TikTok or Instagram, perhaps? No, but she sounds delicious. Kate Bacon is... Uh, 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 she's involved in in STEM professionally in some capacity. I don't know for sure, uh, but she does this uh, this real channel. I think it's on both Instagram and TikTok, uh, where she talks about science things, uh, and she makes like corny jokes that you would probably really like. Uh, but it's also like done in it's also done in like that. That modern, like, female voice ASMR style. Like, she speaks in a very Ooh. low volume, but, like, really excited tone. It's it's weird. Uh, but I, uh, I think you would probably love I will it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I will Kate check Bacon. it out. If there's anything science y. She opens I up her videos science. by going up to the camera and she's like, What's shaking, bacon? It's pretty, pretty great. Okay. Uh, anyway, yep, I'm, guys, I'm uh, Bo is afraid. <laughs> Ari Aster, we need to give this I'm one afraid. skull rating, Michelle. We dived right <laughs> oh, into the spoilers God. and never gave it a skull rating. You have to go first. <sighs> okay. As a movie and not taking into account the hours of research that I did and the fact that it led me to some amazing writing from Ari Aster's mom... I will give it a 4.25. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, like I said, there there are definitely things about this that didn't work for me on the on the first viewing or that were, were odd in some way. I, I will definitely be giving it another look. Uh, but in the context of, um, for me, both Hereditary and Midsommar would be five skull movies. If we could go six skulls, I would give them six skulls both. Uh, but in relation to that, uh, with all the stuff that I really liked about this and all the stuff that didn't quite work for me but I could still appreciate on a really significant level, uh, this is still a four skull movie for me. This was, uh, this was a really... Uh, I, <laughs> I know the guy's been been getting metaphorically filleted from all directions for the last several years but there's a reason for it um he just brings a level of detail and and clear obsession and commitment and again the one part that i just i connect to so much is that whether or not you necessarily understand it he absolutely has a specific story he is trying to tell. So yeah, the, all things considered, this is still a four skull experience for me. Yeah, I think I like his stuff so much because I have a very, very dark sense of humor. 
and everything that he finds funny or intends to be funny, I think I find funny as well. I, I don't think any of it is lost on me. And that is that is a big piece of it for me, which is funny because Hereditary scared the shit out of me. <laughs> None of his other work has done that at all. It hasn't even come close. So my very first experience was like, oh, my God, this guy's stuff is terrifying. He makes yeah. short films. What? And then I wound up. In this quirky world of shorts by this man that were like kind of funny, but yet also so hard hitting, like the strange thing about the Johnsons. Um, so it does this like perfect balance of of the two things for me. And all I can say is something that I said um, about Mike Flanagan in week one. Uh, and that's I hope his next movie that I watch is absolutely awful. I hope it's awful. <laughs> I don't want to enjoy it at all. Could you please just I, I was, suck completely one time? Just once? Yes. I truly <laughs> hope that because then it's not, oh, you just like it because it's an Ari Aster film. And I feel like that's what a lot of people feel <laughs> when you say, I, I like everything that they've done to at least some extent. But he also doesn't have a large catalog of things. Well, and like, also, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, but he has some really bad stuff Well, uh, Also, to be fair, uh, yeah, I like it because Ari Aster made it. He's good at making fucking movies. I'm sorry if that, yeah. uh, if you, I mean, if you're perfectly welcome to disagree, but yeah, exactly. I like it because I like how he makes movies. <laughs> Tell uh, me something I didn't movie, know. His next movie is rumored, according to an interview that he gave, and maybe he's changed his mind. I haven't seen anything about like what is officially out there. It was just an interview blurb I had seen. It is one of my least favorite genres, and he says it's going to be a Western. However, hmm. an Ari Aster Western has the potential to be like Boa's Afraid, but in Texas. So um, I don't quite know what that means, but I'm really hoping it's garbage because I just would like to dislike something from him. <laughs> so then I can say, no, I understand where the faults lie. And Boa's Afraid has some of that. Midsommar has yeah. some of that for me. You know, like th I see the faults. I just wish that I could be like, oh, that was garbage. Can't wait till the next thing. Sure. And then the next and thing's like a perfect movie. One thing I do also love uh, about the, that trilogy of films, uh, I don't want to call them a trilogy because they're not connected except just by his his work. I bet the fourth one, the Western movie, does loop them all together and all the characters <laughs> meet up at a shootout. <laughs> Bo is afraid, is standing there in like assless chaps, just very concerned because he has to battle Tony Collette. Bo um, is afraid he that, that he will her. be decapitated in Sweden. <laughs> yes oh my god and then Florence Pugh is just there being gorgeous I love Florence Pugh oh, I'm in god. love with that woman okay sorry yes yeah uh yes. but yeah so like uh even though they're all his work and they're all uh uh unique they're 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 all their own thing right like like hereditary mm -hmm. Uh, is the is the creepiest of them, the spookiest and the 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 shiveriest. Uh, I feel like Midsommar is the most viscerally shocking. Uh, it doesn't create a lot of sense of dread, but it what it successfully does is it uh, occasionally just scare like like startles the fuck out of you with some shit that just comes out of left field. Uh, and so I, I I feel that. And then this is his just weirdest what the fuck movie right uh so like you can definitely tell they all came from the same guy but they're all their own very unique thing not unlike uh jordan peele uh and get out uh them and uh, uh or rather us and uh and nope
Um, I have Jordan Peele's book being delivered to me in just a couple of days. Nice. It comes out on October 3rd, and Barnes & Noble is really good about getting it in my mailbox on the day it drops, and I will be reading that in just a single day. I'm going to sit down else. I may have to get that from you when you're done with it. Yes, you also have to borrow House of Leaves, which I did pull out of my bookcase, and it is sitting uh, in my special bookcase um, now so that whenever I remember <laughs> to give it to you, you can borrow it and be like, what the fuck is this book? So Right on. You can borrow both. Guys, uh, that's our, our thoughts. Uh, obviously, this is the end of week two of Spooktober. Week three kicks off on Sunday. We're going to be talking all week about fan films from popular uh, horror franchises, uh, mostly popular slasher franchises, uh, with uh, one exception for sure. Uh, maybe another if you, uh, depending on how you make those definitions. But uh, we're definitely going to have to talk about the slasher debate and what. Oh, for sure, for slasher. Yeah, let me get to that because oh, I like your definition, it guys. I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's one of my top two horror films of all time. You know, we've talked about this a zillion times it's not a slasher film i'm sorry it's not it's not you can't slash with a chainsaw it's not a slasher film and we'll talk about why at, at some point but uh <laughs> uh uh thank you guys for for hanging out with us for another week and for giving us an hour of your day uh on this episode uh i look i, I really do think you should see this movie if you haven't done so already and i think michelle would agree I absolutely agree. And especially if you don't like it, I want to talk to you. Yes. I don't like I think this is a fun one for my friends who haven't liked it. It's been really fun to discuss of like, but what's the dick monster? I'm like, I don't know. Don't ask me that. I don't have an answer for that. I, I think it's really fun. I love when, how this uh, episode is, is doing the uh uh, the thing that is both the Midwestern stereotype and also yeah. the end of the the Return of the King, where we start the end and then we don't end, and then we start the end and then we don't end. This is ending attempt number seven. Say goodnight, Michelle. I refuse to end. JD, I have a question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> goodnight, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> We Watch Shudder is a production of Rat Factory Media, your home for all of today's Rat Factoryist podcasts. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of We Watch Shudder are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Rat Factory Media. But wait, aren't Rat Factory Media and We Watch Shudder the same people? Shut your cake hole, Charlie. Nobody asked you. We Watch Shudder is available free on all major podcast platforms, and the easiest way to support We Watch Shudder is also free. Just leave a rating and review on your platform of choice. Merge your consciousness with ours on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We're at We Watch Shutter on all those social media platforms. Or find us the old-fashioned way on the web at WeWatchShutter.com or by email at mail at WeWatchShutter.com. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail at 701-566-9510. No, seriously, 701-566-9510. Try it if you dare.